0: Just move on up, toward your destination, though you may find, from time to time, complication.
1: Hey, 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 what's happening out there, Rotobonners? Welcome back to the Rotobon Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. Um, my apologies for the long absence I'm not even going to get into the details, you guys do want to hear about it, but uh, a little banged up, feeling much better now. Um, Really been enjoying um, spending time on this draft class. Um, Even when I was sort of banged up, spending a lot of time on the sofa, uh, I was able to watch a lot of film, and this is a fun class. And it's it's really over the last couple days, because you guys may have noticed maybe maybe you didn't, um, but I've been sort of wrapped up in these quarterbacks. I, I'm, I'm a big believer, um, particularly in the top six quarterbacks uh, on my board, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and I sort of, I might have fallen into a little hole just in terms of just being obsessed with watching these quarterbacks because I really like this group uh, a lot. Um, and it's compelling just what's going on with them and how these teams are, are viewing them and moving them around and, you know, which guy's going to fall and all of this and that. Um, so I'm, I'm looking I, for me just watching how these quarterbacks go off the board is is going to be probably the most fun thing for me tonight, just in terms of watching it from an enjoyment uh, perspective. But um, you know, like I said, I've been watching you know quite a bit of film, um, and I I'm gonna th- this podcast uh, you know as usual I'm doing this on the fly, so I'm I'm gonna sort of try to c- have a little bit of a macro view and get micro. Um, with certain guys as we go through this. Um, I will have rankings up on the site um, along with this podcast, so you can sort of get into them together. Um, And there's a lot more coming after the draft. Um, I've, you know, my process this year has allowed me to watch plenty of film. I haven't done as much writing. Um, I'm working on some stuff for 4 for 4, as I think most of you guys know. Uh, I've got an article that I think will be helpful for rookie drafts coming out Uh, probably within the week, Um, you know, uh, the idea being get it in people's hands right when uh, the rubber hits the road with the rookie drafts. So that's something, um, you'll see it in my timeline, Uh, I'll link it from rotobon.com and and stuff like that, and there will be a podcast um, that goes along with that article uh, as well. So, looking at this class as a whole, oh and you know, just back to, you know, um, I was getting into my process there and I sidetracked myself, sorry. Um, I've you know, I've, uh, I've had a little bit more fun with the way I went about this season. I've, I've really gone with my interests and my passions, and I've tried to watch the guys that, you know, I sort of see something in. Um, and with, with, with the burden of, like, podcasting every couple days and writing sort of off the table, I had a little more fun with this. And I, I approached it a little bit more as a player versus, you know, a content producer kind of thing. Um, and... That made it more fun for me. So I, I definitely have had a lot of fun and have spent a lot of passionate time looking into these players. But it's been a little bit more casual than my normal thing. I haven't been as detailed. The fact that there was no combine, the fact that all the the pro day times are at you know are apples to oranges, um, has sort of. It, I mean, I'm never. I've never been a big combine guy in the first place. I mean, I love the combine. I love just you know the whole thing the same way you love draft day it's like football candy but I, I try not to let you know 40 times in you know in you know, shorts and t-shirts and stuff, um, have too much of an impact on my rankings. Uh, but the one good thing about the Combine was if you're gonna get into it, and if you're gonna get into the data and you're going to use it, at least it's apples to apples. They all ran on the same weekend, in the same place, on the same track, being timed by the same uh, methodology and, and so on and so forth, and that gives more credibility to the data. Now we have guys running all over the country, different people timing them, and it, you know, for me, um, I take it with an even bigger grain of salt. Um, Now, breaking down these um, groups by position, you know, the thing that's hit me over the last, I would say, week, is the depth of the receivers. So let's let's sort of start with the receivers. I like this receiver class. Um, I'm a huge fan of the top four guys. Nothing surprising there. I think. Uh, most people sort of see it that way. And I've got Chase at the top just because I think he's sort of the durable good of the group. I really like Jamar Chase. I was always impressed with his film at LSU. Little concerned that he didn't play football for a year. But you know, the, the, the thing is, I you know, in my mind I went down that rabbit hole for a little while. But the more I thought about it, it's like, you know what, the NFL is going to kick the tires on this guy. If for some reason he hasn't been doing his due diligence um, in his, you know, year away from the game, so to speak, the NFL will decide that, and he, you know, he'll slip. So uh, as long as he doesn't slip, I'm just going to assume Chase is no worse for the non-wear, uh, and he's going to be my receiver. Now I also love both of the kids from Alabama. Think they're going to be really good. Um, their lack of size, you know, hey, um, am I dinging them heavily for it? No. I think they're going to be good NFL players. I absolutely would like them rostered on any of my dynasty teams. But when I'm comparing them to a guy like Chase, who's got, you know, 30 to 40 pounds, depending on who we're talking about, um, I'm sorry. I, I You know, that's going to be a tiebreaker for me. It just is. I, you know, if you don't agree, that's okay. Uh, but for me, I will take the bigger athlete um, when when all other things are sort of equal. Um, and then the fourth guy is Bateman from Minnesota. Uh, I love his low heart rate approach to the game. I love his size. I love the fact that he carries his frame really well. He catches everything. The routes are crisp. Um, Bateman to me would not surprise me two years from now if we're sitting there going, wow, Bateman's the best receiver in the class. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, You know, he's sort of my Justin Jefferson this year in that everybody just wants to put him fourth, and I feel like not enough people are considering that maybe he's the best guy. I think, you know, so just to be clear, he's in my first tier, um, and the tier is fairly tight. Next guy for me is Elijah Moore, sort of has his own tier. After that, we get into Rondale Moore, Terrence Marshall, Yami Brown, Kadarius Toney, Taylor Wallace. I like those guys quite a bit. Wallace, actually, probably the start of the next tier where I like Tyler Wallace and Nico Collins, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Seth Williams. I like these guys quite a bit. Um, And, you know, that, you know, I just, you know, if you're scoring at home that's 13 receivers right there all of which I am more than willing to take a gamble on and you know give them a roster spot on my dynasty uh, team and see what happens these are guys I would like to have um, you know we'll see how landing spots in adp and draft capital changes you know it's you know the snow globe's going to get shaken as always over the next couple of days but I like all the receivers we just talked about um, Seth Williams is sort of the beginning of the new tier I like Seth Williams a lot he's a beast obviously um, you know is he going to have sort of a Keneal Harry thing maybe where he has issues separating and getting off the line that's possible but the thing is you know we had to pay premium for Kenil Harry you know Seth Williams might be a third round pick so you know those types of um, concerns don't bother me when I'm paying so little for him um, and Williams is sitting there as my 13th um, receiver. Uh, you know, but as I said, there are others. Um, you know, and Terry, obviously, is a guy everybody knows. He's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa. Um, he's had off-field stuff, but I just think his athleticism pops. Um, he's definitely a guy that, you know, I love the fact that nobody wants him. I'm hopefully going to be stealing him. Well, drafting him, hopefully stealing him. But I'm going to be drafting him, I think, in, you know, Uh, mid to late third, fourth round uh, in rookie drafts. Uh, The way I'm going to get burned is if the NFL agrees with me in a big way, and then he gets taken earlier than people think. So we'll see about him, but he's a guy where he could be one of my values. Um, You know, again, I had Williams at 13, Smith-Marset at 14, Terry, Amari Rogers, who I think are not enough people are taking seriously. Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan uh, is a kid I think has some real uh, potential. Uh, I still think Marquez Stevenson um, is a guy who's a real prospect. As Newsom, I think, is a real prospect. So, you know, that's 19 guys. Um, And, you know, really, uh, you know, the NFL is going to tell me about a lot of other guys like Sage Surratt, Tutu Atwell, uh, Shee Smith, um, and and, and really five or six other guys. I think ultimately I'm probably going to end up with about 20 receivers that I'm willing um, to take a flyer on in rookie drafts. Some of them pretty late, but Um, I do think this is a receiver class that has depth to it. Uh, I don't think it's the best class I've ever seen or anything like that, but I think it's a good, solid receiver class. And, you know, if if you're holding some uh, rookie picks, uh, I don't think, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, man, I've got too many rookie picks this year. It's a bad class. I don't think that's true. Um, The running backs, depending on landing spot and draft capital, may be a little light. We'll see. But I think, you know, certainly uh, stick with me. I think a week or so from now, two weeks from now, when those drafts are coming up, I'll be able to point you in the right direction. There's a lot of receivers here to like, in my opinion. I mean, some guys who really, uh, you know, I I haven't heard that many people talking about Nico Collins. I really like Nico Collins. Um, You know, I I think... I've my love for Katarius Tony just continues to grow, and he's a guy who just recently cracked my top ten, uh, and he might move up another spot or two. I don't know, um, but you know the fact that he is learning the position is something I didn't pick up on him until probably a couple weeks ago. Um, again, because I, <laughs> I I'm taking a more casual approach this year. I'm trying to watch more film, and I'm trying not to get caught in the weeds with the narratives. Um, but Tony's once I started digging on him, I'm like, well, you know what, this is important because this is a guy who hasn't been able to really focus on the position until just the last year. And one of my problems with him was like, man, he looks a little raw to me. And then once I finally put it all together, I probably shouldn't put this on the podcast, I'm like, okay, now the concerns I had for him suddenly made sense. They didn't seem like flaws for him so much just where he is in his developmental curve. And now I'm starting to say, wait a minute, this guy's quite an athlete. Maybe his improvement levels are a lot, his ability to get better is, uh, higher than a lot of players because he's been on the path for less um, less time. Anyway, so Tony's a guy who's rising on my board. Um, I'm a big fan of DeAndre Brown, as I mentioned. So There's just so many of these receivers, and my top five I just love. I guess the real guy to talk about here is Rondell Moore, who... It's funny, I was working up a defense, really, for the last month or so on why I'm not as high on Moore as the rest of the world, and then over the last couple weeks, for whatever reason the world is sort of softened on more. He seems to be moving down boards. Um, maybe that's because people are seeing how good this receiver class is and that you don't have to you know, jump early to get a guy like Moore. There's upside on this board apart from him, um, but I do think we don't want to lose track of Moore. I mean, my basic problem with him is people are comparing him to people like Curtis Samuel. He's just not as big as Curtis Samuel. He doesn't have the same type. Uh, of, you know, he's, we're talking about a 20 pound difference. Uh, you know, when you're a gadget guy, when you're a guy who's Trying to get yards after the catch—that's meaningful. He's—he's um, he's also not as even as big as Tyreek Hill. He's given up a little bit to Hill as well. Um, he's had more health problems than Hill. So you know, even if you see him as an incoming Hill, he's not as healthy as Hill was. And I mean, let's not forget that Tyreek Hill hit the trifecta, right? He went to a place with opportunity. He went to a place that's got a fantabulous scheme, a coach that absolutely knows how to maximize his talents, and by his. <laughs> and, and, and by the time uh, Mahomes got, gets in there, he's got, you know, the most aggressive, talented quarterback in the league. So unless Rondale Moore goes to Kansas City, he's going to be behind... Tyreek Hill on every single level. He's not as talented. He's not as healthy. He doesn't have as good a team, as good a coach, and anywhere near as good a quarterback. So, you know, projecting him into a Tyreek Hill kind of outcome is tricky. He's going to need to go to a place where he has friendly things around him the way Hill has. So, um, that's one of my concerns with Moore. We have to be, you know, I want to see the landing spot. And if he lands on a place where, you know, you've got a really wide open coordinator um you know if he took samuel's place for example in carolina where the scheme would really fit his talents um i would be excited um but you know if he goes to a team that you know with a caveman mentality um he could end up being a gadget kick returner kind of guy so i just i need to be careful with more um in terms of how much i want to lean in um definitely he's landing spot dependent for me a good landing spot will definitely prick my ears up and and have me leaning in a little bit more i like the kid um so that's receivers wow we're already at 15 minutes i wanted to have this podcast sort of short because i know you guys don't have a lot of time today um But uh, I like this receiver class quite a bit. Let's hit tight ends quick. We can save some time there. Um, You know, this class is okay. Uh, And I'll see, the the landing spots may make me do some deeper film dives into some of these guys. But the only guys I'm really excited about are the top two guys. Um, Pitts, obviously, is a freak of freaks. He might be the best tight end I've scouted in term, you know, for fantasy since... I started doing this, and I, you know, there've been some great ones. Um, so Pitts is is just great. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of wrestling with him in single QB leagues. How high am I willing to go? Uh, you know, landing spots could move him as high as two or three on my board. Um, if the running backs get landing spots I like, he'll probably move down to four or five, six, or something like that. But Pitts, it, you know, and then the other thing is: is it tight end premium scoring? Is it a deep league? Is it multi flex? These things will have you know. Uh, Meaning in terms of how I value him, because you know the more ways I have to deploy him, the more value he has. The deeper le- the deeper the league I'm in is, the more value he has. Um, the thing about Pitts is, to me, he sort of defies the developmental aspect of tight ends because he's, he's basically going to be asked to be a receiver a lot of the time. Um, so I'm sort of looking at him sort of as a receiver. Um, although, as I've mentioned previously, I don't see him as the X that a lot of people do. Um, Pat Friarmuth, hopefully I got that right. Penn State guy, definitely a good player. Definitely a guy I'm willing to look at in tight end premium leagues. Um, and then, you know, Brevin Jordan, Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble, Kenny Aboa, Tremy Kitty. These are the guys who sort of are good enough to get my attention. Um, you know, we'll see how things develop in terms of where they go. Uh, and one tricky thing with tight ends, if you're not really good and you have a lot of draft capital, in almost all of these, there are many teams where it's like, we need a tight end who we can take in the third, fifth, you know, third to fifth area uh, and get them on the field quick. I, I mean, the odds on that happening without an injury to me are pretty low. Um, so we have the usual problem with a lot of these tight ends, just the developmental curve. Um, getting actual production out of them can take years. Okay. Now, still got a lot left to talk about here. Let's get into these running backs because I think – the running backs are compelling. I just, you know, for me landing, if the landing spots go wrong, like my running back board could shrink down to less than 10. It could shrink down to less than eight, seven even. So that's, you know, running back, we got the same problem we've had for years. It's musical chairs, right? How many actual running back jobs are available in the NFL right now? And then to take that a step further, how many running back jobs are available where you have, you know, a line of sight to playing time, to touches, where there's a, um, a, a, a plausible scenario, you, uh, you know, where this guy could get in there and do some damage as a rookie. Um, you know, those situations are sort of few and far between. Um, you know, somebody's going to go to the Steelers, somebody's going to go to the Jets, we figure. Um, you know, a couple other places. Um, you know, somebody could go to Atlanta and maybe unseat, Um, Davis, and stuff like that. But, you know, there aren't a ton of gigs out there. And moreover, a lot of the teams where I'm like, well, I could see, you know, Javante Williams could knock their starter out. Najee would knock their starter out. Maybe Etienne could. But a lot of those teams don't have the draft capital. They have needs other than running backs. So, you know, the picks required to get these players, those teams aren't going to have them. So, I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned that these running backs go to places that you know, don't make them valuable. And, of course, we have the, the nightmare scenario where, you know, our top four or five running backs get crappy landing spots, and the guys that get good ones are guys like, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Kylan Hill, um, you know. And now we have to start looking at the board and everything is upside down. So um, let's cross our fingers tonight and hope that these really elite running backs go to teams that are going to give them, you know, real opportunity early on. Um, because when you take a running back in the first round, most of the time, you really want some payoff right off the bat. Anyway, um, top of my boards, is Harris, and it's close. It's closer than I ever thought it would be. If Javante Williams weighed the 220 that he was listed at, I would have him ahead of Harris just as a runner. Um, the thing about Harris is, in our little fantasy football game, The receiving element is so huge. As long as Harris goes to a team where I have confidence that they're smart enough to realize that some of the major value with this player is that he can do everything and that he can stress a defense fully and that the best way to utilize him is to have him doing all the things he's good at, not just using him as a pounder. Let's call it the Josh Jacobs scenario, okay? This guy's a lot like Jacobs, okay a lot like jacobs um but even better and even even better as a receiver um and i'm a big fan of josh jacobs as a receiver i you know i think it's coaching decision that's hurting his stats not him but if harris gets a scenario like that it's going to hurt his fantasy value and i think he becomes similar to williams if you take the ability to score points in the passing game off the table um I love the way Javante Williams runs. Absolutely love it. Um, somebody somewhere made a Frank Gore comparison, and that was the one I was looking for. I like that comparison as a runner. So Harrison Williams are my top two. Etienne is right behind. I, I, you know, He's fallen down boards. He was never as high on mine as some others, but I have found no reason to be off of him. I want him in a wide-open scheme. He needs some lanes. But man, if he went—I mean, if he went to the Bills, oh, I love it. I freaking love it. Um, so those top three guys, as long as the landing spots don't just make me want to puke, um, they're going to be fine. They're going to probably stay where they are on my board. Um, the two guys after the top three for me, who are really compelling, are Trey Sermon and Michael Carter. I like these guys. I. I struggle to figure why so many people didn't like Sermon. Now, it seems like he's starting to move up. I don't know why somebody out there, obviously, who has some sway in the community must like him, because I'm seeing more and more people coming around on Trey Sermon. Um, I'm sort of struggling for what's not to like. The dude's got a big-time pro body. I think he's functional as an inside and an outside runner. I think he contributes very well in the passing game. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of nuance in terms of route running and stuff like that that he still needs to work on. Um, but he's a good enough receiver to get him the ball. And after the catch, uh, he's a bull in a china shop. So um, I'm a big fan of Trey Sermon. He's played big time college football at Oklahoma and Ohio State. Um, you know, he, when he's been healthy to me, he looks like an NFL back. So Trey Sermon is a guy where the landing spot could move him up my board into the top Six or seven players, if the landing spot is enough to my liking. Um, I can't see him falling out of, say, my top... I would say, like... I mean, he's going to be somewhere in the top 15. I think 15's like the outer limits. He would have to go somewhere that I absolutely hate it for him to go that low. Um, And then there's Michael Carter, who... Man, I like Michael Carter. Very different than Sermon, right? You know, Sermon's got the NFL body, the NFL size... Carter's sitting there, you know, around 200 pounds, um, but he's sub 5'10", with that low center of gravity, he's incredibly sudden, I like his vision, and he has got what I what I like to call omnidirectional explosivity, he can make cuts in any direction at any time, he's sort of, as, as Walt Clyde Frazier, for my New York friends, likes to say, he's got feline quickness, um... And he's also just got, he's just, he plays within himself. He's a low heart rate guy. Um, as I like to say, he's just a calm player who sees the field in front of him. And when a hole opens up, no matter where it is, he is able to explode uh, in that direction. If Michael Carter gets a gig, I'm going to be all over that guy. A great scenario for him, in my opinion, would be like the Jets, Um at some point. Like if the Jets could get him in the third round, um, or maybe, you know, in, in the late second round, uh, or something like that, uh, I think Michael Carter as a Jet could be really good in the new scheme, because uh, they're bringing that, you know, that zone, that zone scheme from, uh, San Francisco. Um, so Michael Carter's a guy I'm very much on. Now here's what the drop-off is for me. Um, my top five like, I have a top three tier, then just a mini tier drop to Sermon and Carter, and then a significant tier drop um, to my next guy, who I do like, but he's 191 pounds or 190. Um, and I have some concerns that the NFL is going to like him as much as I do in terms of utilizing him, right? So, uh, you know, my experience with the NFL is. They see Gainwell, they see what I see, they like him too, they know he's a good football player, but he's going to go to some coaching staff that says, well, he's not big enough to be a, a lead back, we're going to have to, you know, watch his touch count kind of thing. And if that happens, then we have a guy with limited appeal. He needs to make the big play to pay off for us on a weekly basis. Um, that's where my concern is. Like the player, concerned about how the NFL is going to view the player. Um... And then after Gangwell, we get into a big group of guys who I think have a shot. I mean, Chuba Hubbard, is a pretty good athlete. He's got real speed. Um, if he goes to a team that runs a lot of zone, I think, you know, who knows? Um, if he goes to a team that doesn't, I, he's going to fall down my board. Um, Khalil Herbert's just a guy where I like the way he runs. I just like the way he runs. He's big enough, I think, to get uh, an NFL team's attention. I would like to see him run with a little more power. Um, sometimes he comes up a little light, uh, at the point of contact, but apart from that, I really like his game. Uh, Jamar Jefferson came in lighter than we wanted. He ran a little slower than we wanted, but I still really like him as a back. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that we really like. We like his size. We like his toughness. We like the fact that he runs angry. Um... He reminds me a little of Benny Snell, maybe, um, but we need a landing spot for him, and we need him to be a running back, not a fullback. Not sure. I have to see how that breaks out. He could just drop way down our board, or maybe even move up a little bit. Um, Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. like Elijah Mitchell quite a bit. He's got a pro body. like the way he runs. Um, Kylan Hill um, sort of gets a placeholder ranking. I'm not a fan, but... A lot of people I respect are he clearly has the size he does have a skill set that allows him to do the things that score fantasy points so I'm taking Kylan Hill seriously can't say that I'm a big fan um Dimitri Felton, we're moving out of my top 12 now, um, is a guy I really like, but I again, he's sort of got the same problem as a guy like Gainwell, where I don't know what the NFL is going to make of him. So if he goes to a team that I view as sort of an open-minded team, you know, if he got drafted to be McCaffrey's backup, or, you know, Kamara's backup, I would be very interested in using a late-round pick on Demetric Felton. If he goes to a team like the Giants, no, nah. no. Nah. <laughs> anyway. Um... But there's, you know, and look, that's my 13th back. There are other backs that I'm interested in. You know, I like uh, Chris Evans out of Michigan. I just think he's a good athlete, you know. I think he's a guy where if he could run within himself a little bit more, if, you know, a little bit more coaching, and Chris Evans could be a guy. Um, I don't have a ton of film on B.J. Evans out of Florida Atlantic, but what film I do see of him, I like. If if He's the kind of kid where if they could get him to run low more consistently, when he runs like a crab, he could be a pretty devastating um, inside runner. When he's more upright, he's less effective. So he's one of these kids where... If the you know if he could get to a good coaching staff where they could just say hey, on film there's good you and bad you. Here's good you run like good you more. It you know it's not that much more complex to me with a guy like him. Um, get him to run um, in that. It's I say the crab style, but when he's running with more of a wide base, he can be very effective. He, you know he can leave guys looking for their jocks. Um, when he's upright, it's not as effective. So. That's my thing with a guy like Emmons. But he may be a guy we can get with the last pick of a draft for all we know. You know, he could be a guy, um, you know, like, Last year, I th- who are the guys I was talking about? Last? Like Savannah Med was one of the guys we were looking for late in drafts. He could be that kind of guy for us. Um, Larry Roundtree out of Missouri, I think, is a guy we need to take seriously. Jared Patterson out of Buffalo is a guy we need to take seriously. Brian Robinson uh, out of Alabama, big dude with some talent, I think is a guy to take seriously because he's got an NFL body. Um, so, you know, that's almost 20 guys right there, okay? So, landing spot. Um, can really push a lot of these backs up my board if they get one. Um, you know, a if they get drafted, b if they go to a place that, in in my view, fits their skill set. So, plenty of running backs out there that I think we need to take seriously. Uh, I do think, you know, again, it's not that these guys aren't any good. But there is a thing in the NFL where there just aren't a lot of running back gigs available. And I'm not talking about starting gigs now. I'm talking about just roster spots, right? So that's where these guys are going to run into trouble. Some of these guys are going to be good. They're just not going to get a gig. And, I mean, that's the NFL at the running back position. Um, you know, I mean, you, you know, you look at a, I look at a guy like, you know, again, Kylan Hill, and I just compare him to guys on NFL benches. And I just don't feel like he stacks up all that well. Um, But, you know, again, Hill's a guy where there's a lot of people uh, who I respect who like him quite a bit. So maybe I'm missing something on Kylan Hill. Um, So that's the running backs. Uh, Definitely, you know, I I know there are five guys I'm going to be targeting, regardless. Like Harris, Williams, Etienne, Sermon, Carter, I'm targeting those guys. I don't care what happens, I'm targeting them. Now, you know, where is debatable? They will move up and down my board a little bit based on landing spot, based on some other things. But these are guys I want no matter what. I think Gainwell is another guy who I will want him no matter what. But he could drop down into that third round area with the round with the wrong landing spot, and then everybody else is sort of, you know, up for negotiation. Draft capital and landing spot is going to be big. Okay, thirty minutes, not bad. We can talk about some uh, some quarterbacks. Uh, maybe hit a couple final points, and we'll get you guys out of here. Um, This quarterback class, you know, to me, I've got 10 guys on my board who I'm taking fairly seriously. And I'll just rip them off quickly, and then we'll get into this thing. Um, And this is, by the way, these rankings are for fantasy, not for NFL. Um, So Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, Felipe Franks, and Jamie Newman. There's my top 10. Um, If I am ignoring some player that you really believe in, let me know. I'll, I'll take another look at him. But those are the guys that, for me, sort of move the needle, and I'm taking them seriously. Um, I don't like Davis Mills as much as some people, but I think he is a guy with some undeniable talent. Um, so I can see some scenarios. If the Davis Mills draft capital is higher um, than expected and the landing spot has some you know, daylight, um, Mills could be a guy that I'm drafting. Uh, I think Mond is in the same kind of area where if the league likes him enough and the landing spot has some daylight, I may take him seriously. But the guys I'm, that I know I'm taking seriously are Trask, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. Um, so let's start at the top. um. Lawrence is a really interesting quarterback. Uh, As uh, most of you guys know, I'm not a big college football guy. Do not watch a ton on the weekends because I'm so wrapped up in doing NFL stuff. Um, You know, I catch a game here or there, uh, and Lawrence is a guy that I'd seen in playoff games and stuff like that. So I obviously had seen a handful of full Trevor Lawrence games before I did my deep film dive on him. But you know, I never watched like back-to-back games, you know? And, you know, it's weird. I think I sort of overestimated how big an arm Lawrence had. He's got a good arm. He doesn't have a great arm. Um, And athletically, he's sort of interesting. He's sort of got a... I mean, he doesn't have much twitchiness to him, but he's got those long strides. He's got that big frame. Um, Somebody who I... I, Well, uh, the guy I watch a lot of films with, um, Coach, my uncle, who coached college football, um, he made a comparison... Trevor Lawrence to Larry Bird, and the more I watch Lawrence, the more I love that comparison. The dude's a gamer. Um, it doesn't always look, you know, like a Pat Mahomes kind of throw. He doesn't. He doesn't have the physical you know snappiness of some of these other quarterbacks but he's got incredible feel for the game and he's quite a competitor uh and he's got that loose body type that allows him to sort of contort his body and get his shoulder lined up and make really good throws he's a he's a really unique uh quarterback my question with Lawrence is what's going to happen as he ages as an NFL quarterback and 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 and, you know the run becomes a non-factor for him I, I think it'll be fine um He's my number one, and I love this quarterback class. So that really should say enough right there. Um, I probably am not as high on Lawrence as a quarterback as some people, but I like him a ton, uh, and I think really good chance that he's going to be successful as an NFL quarterback. As from a fantasy perspective, you're getting a guaranteed commitment. You know, uh, it, the i the, the odds on him not being the quarterback on the team that drafts him in three years are really low. Um, So there's just a lot of built-in security with Lawrence. Uh, And additionally, he's going to a team where you've already got two really good weapons just waiting for him. Um, And, you know, they're going to be in a position to add. Uh, I apologize for the construction sounds outside. Yes, that damn construction project is still going on. Um, Hopefully it's over in the next couple weeks. Um, So Lawrence is at the top of my board. No surprise there. Um, And number two on my board is Fields. And, you know, here's the thing. This is a fantasy board, and quite honestly, I really strongly toyed with the idea of just putting Fields at the top, and I do think in some leagues, I may pull the trigger on Fields ahead of Lawrence. It's all about the wheels, okay? It's all about his running ability. Um, If the landing spot for Fields is one that I like, if I feel like they're going to use the full physical package, uh, he may go up to my number one spot. Again, just because he might be a running quarterback. Um, you know, so it's sort of the, you know, you're going for upside over security. Trey Lance, same kind of thing. Uh, any team that drafts Trey Lance to me has to be looking at the full athletic profile and they probably want to let him run. Um, so he's higher on my board than Zach Wilson. Even though I like Zach Wilson really. He, for me, he's right behind Lawrence with Fields. I just don't think, and, and by the way, it wouldn't shock me if Wilson added some foot points year one, maybe even year two, but I think ultimately the Jets don't want him to run much. Ultimately, they want him to control the game with his arm, with his eyes. Um, and let's just get into Fields and Wilson for a little bit. And I, I think I talked about this enough in the last podcast, and I'm, you know, I haven't really changed my viewpoint on it all that much. Um, but they're just really close for me in the second spot. Uh, it blows my mind that if the Jets take Wilson Fields could slip, I just don't get it. I don't get how any problems you would see with Justin Fields wouldn't equally apply to Lance at a lower level of competition, um, with less film. Like, I don't have as much film on Lance. So, I don't know. For me, I I just don't see how Lance gets ahead of Fields. I just, I don't understand it. Um, But let's get back to Fields and Wilson. You know, I watched Justin Fields' film, and look, do I see a little bit of an issue with, you know, every throw looks a little different from the last? Yeah. Um, Do I see an issue with him holding the ball too long too often? Yeah. But (laughs) what you also see are just... Eye-popping throws, um, the ability to shake off would-be tacklers in the backfield, the ability to run away from people, um, and make—I th- mean—he, this guy's got an arm and movement abilities that just give the offensive coordinator a, just a whiteboard. You can you can you can draw up anything for this guy in terms of you know can he make the throw, um, it, you know, and. Again, we we know what he he ran he just you know pinned the needle running at his pro day. So, you know, I'm I'm just struggling to compute with you know if you're an NFL team and you look at what Lamar has done for the Ravens, um, and you look at what Kyler has been able to do with Arizona, and then you look at Justin Fields, who's got similar some similar movement ability at a considerably higher weight. This guy's almost 230 pounds. Um, I mean, even if you think he's a one or two-read quarterback, well, I mean, (laughs) uh, Josh Allen, hello, I mean, when he came out, people didn't even know if he was a one-read quarterback, and he's starting to set the world on fire, so I just don't understand how you can look at Justin Fields' physical profile and opt for a guy like Trey Lance or Mac Jones. It doesn't make any sense to me. Justin Fields' ceiling is just too high. Now... What I think a logical question would be like, okay, okay, Pete, well then why do you like Zach Wilson with him? Well, because Wilson, I think, is just way better than Mac Jones and Lance. I, you know, it's a different caliber of player. Um, the thing about Zach Wilson that I absolutely love is uh, is his ability to process. Um, you know, nothing seems to surprise this kid. Does he make some mistakes? Sure. does he does does he get arrogant and try to stick a throw in where he should think better? absolutely he does that um you know uh you know he's got um as i said with the last jet quarterback sam darnold who i still absolutely like and who quite frankly the jets probably should have kept and 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 made a trade with the 49ers and used three first round draft picks plus all the other ones they have um from seattle and stuff to build around darnold and create a really good team but whatever the jets went the other way okay um you know okay whatever i like zach wilson so it's okay um But the thing about Wilson is, again, it's just the way he processes. And then if you, I mean, I've watched all of his throws, like, five or ten times. And he has the ability to just make some eye-popping throws from odd angles. Um, And if you can just tamp down the creativity just a little, if you can give him just just a smidgen of, you know, sometimes... Not doing it is a better idea. If you can, you know, just plant that seed in his head. Um, you know, if you can get that risk reward needle, just just move it a little bit back towards reward, or you know, whatever, or towards risk. You know, I think he can just be special. Um, he he shows me things on film that I only see from guys like Rodgers um, and uh, Mahomes. Now, does he have the arm of Aaron Rodgers? Or Mahomes? No, it's 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 a slightly lower caliber arm than those guys. Um, he doesn't have the physical stature of those guys. He doesn't have the weight behind his throws. He's an arm thrower to a large degree. Um, although, actually, you know that's. That's actually not a fair thing to say, because one of the things I absolutely love about Zach Wilson, and it's the thing that really, before you know the, the timing, accuracy, and, and, and just the, the, the playmaking, the, the arm talent itself, before he even really got to that, I fell in love with his feet. Uh, I love the way he moves in the pocket. I love the way he works to get that plant foot correctly planted, this guy has the ability to spray footballs from one sideline to the other with authority, and the reason he does it, it, one of the reasons he can do it is because he works his, his plant foot so well. Um, even when you see him on the run, you'll see him cock that right foot and get that those toes pointed at the bare minimum at the sideline to downfield. You don't see that back foot open like with a Geno Smith or a Brock Osweiler or somebody like that. Um, so, right off the bat, I'm like, wow. As I'm watching Wilson, I'm like, this kid has been coached. Moreover, this kid has accepted coaching because he is really working at the subtleties of the position. I don't know how many people have picked that up. Maybe that's one of the reasons so many people are detractors with this kid. They don't realize how fundamentally sound he is. Um, but from the ground up, from a foundational point of view, from the feet up, this is a very, 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 quarterback in terms of technique okay um, and then furthermore when you watch the plays where he can get his feet set it's sublime but then when you watch the plays where he can't get his feet set he understands it and he will swivel the hips a la Dak Prescott Aaron Rodgers Mahomes so he understands that sometimes when you can't get the feet right you have to find a way to get your body position right to get your shoulder aligned to make the throw you need to make he does that with a ball okay Now, let's get to the next thing about Wilson. And yes, I'm having some fun with Zach Wilson. The other thing that I really like about Zach Wilson, in addition to the footwork, and what he will do to get his body in position to make the big throw if he can't get his feet right. Particularly moving to the left, you will see this, by the way. But the other thing I like about him is he will go, he will try a throw he's never tried before in his life, you know, at the snap of a finger. A push throw with either hand underhand spirals this guy throws near the goal line. I and mean, he just does all these creative things. And again, is there an element of you know, cowboy? Is there an element of sort of a childlike enthusiasm that needs to be tamped down? Yeah, there is. I'm not denying that. But you you know, but to only see that element of it, like a lot of people are like, ah he does all this crazy crap, you know, he's a show off, blah 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 blah. Uh, okay. I mean, okay. But the thing is, you can say that, and that's fine, but you have to at least accept that he's got the talent to show off with, right? Not many guys have that kind of talent. Um... And the other thing I like about him is stuff that I found out sort of recently after the fact. This kid is a grinder. He is one of those guys who does nothing but football. Uh, and maybe to the point where it makes him sort of a weird dude, right? I mean, guys like Aaron Rodgers, we love the commitment to the game, but, you know, he like disassociates he disassociates himself from his family and stuff like that. You know, he lives in a bubble kind of thing. Um, I, you sort of catch that vibe with Wilson. So, you know, if you're his fiance or something, maybe that's not great. But, if you know, If you root for the team he's playing for, it's going to work for you. Um, So for me, I'm just a big fan of Zach Wilson. I realized that statistically, he had a very favorable schedule. But the thing that I would just, you know, for those of you who are willing to trust me on this, um, you know, Zach Wilson's stats have nothing to do with why I like Zach Wilson. It's all about the film. Um, Now, but let's talk about something here because he is going to the Jets. And. There's no way to say that's a positive, right? So I understand why people might move Zach Wilson down a couple pegs because he projects a little bit more as a passer versus a runner versus guys like Fields and Lance. So fantasy-wise, yeah, I've got Fields and Lance above Zach Wilson. But just as a quarterback, I don't. Um, it's Lawrence, then Fields and Wilson together, sort of in a tie at two. Um And then for me, um, you know, Lance and Mac Jones is sort of a – Also sort of in a kind of a tie spot, which type of quarterback do you want? Um, You know, you want the traditional or you want the upside guy who needs to be, you know, brought along a little bit. Um, And then in the sixth spot, you know, Trask, who I, you know, He's sort of the lost guy in this class because it's so deep. These other guys are so compelling. And let's face it, Trask is sort of a big ugly. He's not fun to watch. Um, and But the thing about Trask, he's got an NFL body. You know, he's two hundred forty-six five. He's a big, strong dude. He can sit there in the pocket and take hits, and he throws a very consistent ball. Uh, he's an unexciting player, but to me, he's an NFL starter. Um, and I will be taking Kyle Trask in Superflex Leagues somewhere in the second round. I, I will be. Um, Unless, we're, unless there's something better lying around on the board. Um, so anything else i want to hit on these quarterbacks? Well, you know, let's talk about Jones and Lance and Fields and the 49ers a little bit. You know, because, you know, when you look at these three guys, it's, you know, it's one thing we, we're all sort of sitting here. What are they going to do? And it's sort of like a guessing game. And, you know, it's a game show kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's compelling. Um, I'm into it, too. And I'm wondering... What exactly were the 49ers thinking when they traded up to three? I mean, this has nothing to do with fantasy value, but quite frankly, I mean, I'm of the opinion that the 49ers absolutely screwed the pooch here. I think they could have moved up. Um, I think they could have saved at least one first-round pick, maybe more, and moved up into the, you know, eight, seven, six, five area maybe and ended up getting one of these guys. Um, but they're paying a huge premium to get the guy they want which is fine if you actually want someone, but all the information coming out seems to indicate that they haven't decided yet. Um, so to me, they, they probably should have held on a little bit. Uh, maybe they thought that they were going to get beat to the punch. I don't know. Um, but they're giving up a ton. And if it's to get Mac Jones, man, as much as I actually like Mac Jones and think he's actually pretty good... Paying three first-rounders to move up to get Mac Jones instead of Justin Fields? To me, that's just borderline insane. Um, But hey, they know more about football than me, so I'm not going to go crazy on this. Uh, But it just the the whole thing seems odd and ill-conceived in terms of how much they gave up to move up to three, when, heck, it sounds like maybe they could have ended up getting what they wanted at four, five, or six. Um, But anyway... Here's the thing I think that's important. And let's talk about these, these three quarterbacks: Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Now, if I own 49ers receivers, if I'm a Debo guy, if you know, if I'm an Ayuk guy, if I'm a George Kittle guy, I like the idea of getting Jones. It's gonna be a ball distributing quarterback, he's gonna get it to the playmakers. I have the playmakers, good. I like that. That could end up being the best case scenario. Now if Jones is a bust, which I don't think he would be in that scheme, but if he is, then okay, now we're back to ground zero. With Lance and Fields, my assumption would be that if they go with these guys, they're going to open up the offense more, they're going to be a little bit more like the teams in their division with the running quarterbacks are going to be a little bit more like any team with a running quarterback, right? So, does Field do Fields and Lance hurt the Kittles and the Iukes of the world? I think... From a fantasy standpoint, they do. From a real football standpoint, I think they make the 49ers better, but I think they put even more statistics into the ground game and less into the pass game. I think there are more scenarios where the 49ers can just completely dominate a team without throwing the football. That is a little concerning if you're an IU person and you're a Debo or a Kittle person. So there is, I think, a fantasy dynamic at play here. If they go with the throwing quarterback, we like it from the perspective of rostering all the other 49ers players. If they go with Lance or Fields, then suddenly Lance and Fields become the 49ers you really want to have on your team. I mean, obviously you still love Kittle, you still love Ayuk and and and, and Debo as well, but their volume probably is going to come down a little bit. So this is sort of a big deal in terms of who they take from, from a fantasy standpoint, because it can change the way the San Francisco offense is going to work. Um, so... You know, being someone who has Kittle on one team, Adibo on a team, Ayuk on, like, almost all my teams, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> I am interested. Um, so I do think, you know, it's we pretty much know Lawrence is going to go one. It seems like we pretty much know the Jets are going to take Wilson. The draft sort of starts in this three-hole, um, and it's compelling from the drama standpoint of watching it on draft night and these three guys wondering what's going to happen. It's definitely also compelling from the standpoint of how is this going to affect all these skill players that we really like in San Francisco. Um, Long-winded, but I think there was a point (laughs) that I made there. Um, Anyway, I think I've hit most of what I wanna do here. we can going to definitely keep this under an hour, just a couple more minutes left here. Um, so like I said, I've taken a little bit more of a casual approach from a content point of view. Um, and I'm really ready uh, to crank out some stuff after the draft. For me, um, I only have three rookie drafts right now. Um, I'm planning on perhaps joining another Dynasty League or two, because I lost a whole bunch of leagues uh, over the last two years. COVID killed some of my Dynasty Leagues. Um So, you know, I'm going to have a little bit more time to do um, some content for you guys after the draft. I plan on releasing a deeper look uh, at some of these picks. I'm going to talk about the landing spot. So you're going to see write-ups after the draft um, on my rankings. I'm going to readjust them, and then you're going to have a skinny that's going to say, okay, here's the skill set, and here's how I see it working. You know, do we have plus synergy, no synergy, negative synergy, whatever you want to talk about. Um, You know, is this landing spot? You know, am I good, bad, or indifferent on the landing spot, basically. Um, Additionally, i got some stuff coming up. I'm doing an article for 4 for 4. It's going to be out pretty soon after the draft. Basically, it's dealing with, like, you know, best available player versus need and how we adjust our rankings pre- to post-draft, how we take landing spot into consideration and all that. Uh, Also, I'm going to be doing a um, Trevor Lawrence scouting report on 4 for 4. That's coming up. We'll get that out on the timeline. Uh, Like I said earlier, um, there will be rankings up on the RotoBond site. Um, those really should be up there, I would say around noon, maybe sooner. Um, and, um, you know, one other thing that I'm going to be trying to do with my rankings, uh, post draft, and we'll see how well I do it. I tried this, uh, I think two years ago, or maybe it was last year. God, I can't remember. Um, But I'm gonna do my best to really let you guys know which guys I'm focusing on. Um, Who are my trade-up targets as we get out of round one and that kind of thing. Um, You know, I wanna provide more than a rankings list. I want you guys to know who I'm targeting, why, and how. uh, And I'm gonna endeavor to get into that um, in the uh, post-draft rankings. Um, So thanks for sticking with me. Sorry that uh, we had a little bit of a uh, lull in the programming. you know, in April, but uh, sometimes these things happen. Uh, but I am back on the ball very much. We're definitely going to have podcasts coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, my first draft actually starts the second the draft ends, so I may be making picks Saturday night. I'm doing several post draft mocks with Four for Four. We're going to have a, uh, I just finished a mock um, uh, with George and Chris um, and Andrew, and we made a bunch of picks that are pre draft. Then we're going to do a mock post draft, and we're going to look at who moved and why. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff coming up so uh stick with me for that once again thanks for listening to the rotobomb podcast it is draft day i hope all of you guys get the outcomes you're hoping for i hope your nfl teams don't make you want to puke uh and i hope that your running backs survive uh um, with that have a good time tonight uh and uh, we'll talk to you soon his mind was
0: his own, but the man lived alone
1: oh